0: Back to another episode of the Photographer Mindset Podcast. I'm your host Seth Macy, and if this is your first time listening, this is a series where we explore the winning mindsets, attitudes, and strategies instilled by creative and super talented photographers in the Instagram community. Um, we're really focused on adapting the proper headspace, mentality, and uh, discipline so that we can achieve our own versions of success in the photography world, and so we can reach our full potential, whatever that may be. Um, these aren't so much interviews as they are discussions, um, and today is a really cool episode because I have Warren Keelan in the house, the first Aussie on the show, which is really cool, and we're going to pick apart your brain today, Warren, and again, as Canadian as I must be I have to thank you and be super polite so thank you thank you thank you for coming on the show Um, you said you'd listen to a couple episodes before um, coming on here so as always just let us know your your brief backstory and then we'll really get into the weeds here
1: to kick it off I I suppose I should just give a little bit of a backstory I was a musician for a decade or so and um, that led me to becoming a web developer and designer only because it wasn't such a thing Um, at the end of my music career so I got into that I delved into you know digital creations and web design and one of those things that I kind of uh, was lacking was photographs and uh, Mm -hmm. I I, I guess I I wanted to add that that skill to my portfolio and add that as a service as well Um, but my my I, through my through my web design and my designer i got into uh, building websites for some fishing personalities and those personalities had tv shows and were writing for magazines and before long i, I before too long i was i was actually co-hosting and i found myself no writing yeah i was <laughs> i was um you know out on boats and seeing how it was all done and and i was building websites and doing the design for these these guys in one in particular and he yeah, he sort of showed me the ropes and said, why don't you do this? You know, you could, you could be writing. You're passionate about, you know, fishing and writing and about um, the environment and nature and, and the ocean. Why don't you get a camera? And um, right. so I, I literally did. I went out two weeks later and bought a camera but so sort of coincided with um i had a we had, i've i've been married to my wife now michelle we've been together for about 25 years but there was a point wow. there 10 years ago yeah thanks dude um that's crazy thank you jeez uh, so about 10 years ago we had tried you know, kick goals, and one of those was um, with children, you know, and bringing another human into the world. And unfortunately, just through um, a a few different curveballs, we weren't able to do that. And from that news, I said, well, let's, let's take a different path in life. And uh, shift our goalposts, goal and and I just said, oh, I want to buy a camera. So I was a musician, had a guitar, and I was on the computer. So I was designing that way, and I thought, wow, what a what a great way to be creative and and still express myself uh, visually. Um, and I, so I bought a camera, and from that That's day, cool. yeah, we sort of made a decision to say, let's take a different path and fill our lives with experiences rather than uh, mortgages and whatever else you um the norm is i guess yeah and man. uh yeah so i bought a camera and i, I, I just taught myself and error after error after error and there wasn't too many sort of there wasn't too many podcasts there was there was social media it wasn't even really a big thing so i, I right. went. On, I think i went online and saw a few youtube videos and that was about it so um yeah and now, one or one or so years after getting the camera, um, I wanted to because I was speaking to you previously. I was into fishing, but I was also my one of the biggest loves in my life was uh, surfing. So bodyboarding and surfing, and uh, right. I wanted to uh, take my camera into the ocean as well as, as well as taking photos of fish in their environment, but also to start capturing the natural forms of waves. And that's what led me to do what I do now. So.
0: Right, I mean you are the water guy. I mean you've been around water before you even had a camera just on fishing boats and stuff like that and you love to surf and I think that's it. I think you um the people who really um set themselves apart in any creative field are just so into what they're doing beyond the final output. The final output being social media or or anything like that. Um I've said this before on the show, but it was so many episodes ago. Um just like for myself, like you said, I started messing around with photography before Instagram was a thing. So, you know, and I think that's really a mental leg up. I don't know if you agree because right off the bat, you're just doing it for the sake of creativity and expression. And you're not worried about, um, collecting likes or how many comments, or if you're beating the algorithm, I did some air quotes. I know people can't see, but like, just the idea of doing it because you love it. Like I'd be taking photos without social media and I know you would too. And I feel like it's such a disadvantage for people who are maybe, you know, just getting into photography now. There just seems like this wall that you're up against with social media and to perform and stuff like that. And I think it's a huge advantage just to learn when, you know, you can be terrible and not try to measure yourself up to anybody because like you can agree you definitely myself included, nobody's good when they start you know what i mean <laughs> if you look at where you're at now to to where you began it's just not even a contest and it's going to keep being like that i mean in 10 years i mean we all have those shots we look at and we're like oh my god i can't believe i did that
1: <laughs> yeah yeah you know and it's nah. gonna be
0: like that 10 years from now so
1: oh no you, you're definitely you're 100 right i agree wholeheartedly and just just in saying that i mean i i love my crap photography the stuff I started out with, it gives me something to look back on and see how far I guess I've progressed. Um, But you're right, this social media, I always say this to people, uh, I'd love it if just the internet went down for a month and it would sort of, it would just, and I'd love to know how many people would still be at, you know, behind a lens after after that month and see whether they're doing it because it's a creative outlet or they're only doing it because of, I guess it's the norm now. You know, it's um, this social media gives you a platform to do what you do, both in business and creatively and, yeah. and all those things. But um, yeah, like we were discussing jumping on a plane and going to a remote island with no reception. And for me, when I see those bars of service start to retract as we're flying away from the mainland, it's just this level of anxiety just starts to go. And I feel like this yeah. is why I do this. And it's not. It's not about that. That instant recognition or uh, validation. It's. It's really just right. about. You know, I, I. I'm. I'm a photographer. Whether there's no internet, you know, whether there's no Instagram, I started prior to that. And I'm. I'm lucky that I do have a few extra years on. Um, most people that are, you know, that that use these social media platforms, because I was around. Prior to that, and it was with my music, also, there wasn't a mm-hmm. there was maybe a MySpace or something, there was no SoundCloud or anything like that. So, I actually toured and I unpacked my van and drove around the country playing live shows. So, I know what it's like to just do it for the love of it and literally yeah. spend you just you know, you're in the minus dollars after shows. So, it's like yeah, in photography, yeah, yeah. you know, how do you justify, mm. like I say to my wife sometimes, like, oh, Jesus this new lens, my next lens is going to be an 85 <laughs> mil. And the first thing she says is, haven't you got enough lenses? And <laughs> the just, answer is no. <laughs> the answer is always no. And then you yeah, look at yeah. the bank balance and you go, okay, how do I justify that? Is it because I love it and I want to see what I can create with that? Or, yeah. you know, is it for that, like you said, you know, just that, that thing with social media and Instagram. So I think uh, it's a very interesting conversation and I think, you know, everything's relevant and and I do think yeah. there's, um, you know, there's there's always going to be, um People that are motivated by different things, and that for me that was you know I did shoot a bit of film back in the day, and cool. it kind of it kind of was was and wasn 't for me uh and it, but and, until I actually had a purpose and that purpose was to create imagery for magazines uh, and travel right. you know and, and all those sort of things that gave me a purpose now, when you say
0: sorry, to cut you off when you say purpose yeah. do you mean mm. um you know in the metaphorical sense or are you being yeah. more um, tell more about your duty as like your profession. Cause I think Mm. purpose is a thing people struggle with. And I think if you're somebody who's found your purpose in life, like, okay, I know what my mission is. I know what I'm here to do. Mm. Congratulations. Cause some people go their whole life and never find that, you know?
1: Oh, that's the key. I think, you know, you can you can find your purpose through photography, and if photography leads you to the outdoors and gets you looking into at nature right. from a different perspective, then I take my hat off to that any day of the week. Because if that's if that's the tool that's allowed you to see things from a new perspective or a different light, great. Other than that, if you did that prior to being a photographer, then you just wanted to capture and share those experiences, then that's also cool too. But um, giving right. me purpose. So back then, purpose was, I guess, to express myself and while I was doing that, there was an outlet and that was the print media. So print media was a big thing, you know, 10 years ago and magazines paid money for things and it was slow right. to get out to the public and it wasn't so instant. So um, that was my purpose and it was to s- tell stories through imagery and right. whether you know, whether it was how to catch a certain species of fish or how beautiful the sunset looked over, you know, an island in a you know, French Polynesian island while we were on a boat you know, looking at different species of fish. That all comes down to storytelling for me. And that was the purpose, I guess, was to come back. And I'd write too, and I was I was terrible at school at writing. I hated English. But I I the, the um words just fell onto the keyboard when I when I found out I was when I was passionate about something. I could yeah, I could spew spew sp- 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 words. You could do your best on, you when know? you care
0: about something, you know?
1: Yeah, that's right. And I guess um for me that purpose in that time was um to Tell stories through vision and, and words, and at the the end goal was to see something in print. So that for me, right. that was that was the reward for me. At the end of the day, was that that was prior to looking at landscapes for a fine art perspective. You know, like right. share, sharing fine art, long long exposures and waterfalls and things. I was, I guess, I was filling double page spreads with um, negative spaced images, so I could you know put text and things in there. But um, yeah, that, I guess purpose is, that's huge. Whether you have it or whether you're looking for it or whether you find it down the track, I think that's a, that's a huge key.
0: Yeah, More and I sure. think just to like go back a little bit, I think it would, maybe it's important for people listening to ask themselves a hard question. Like, what are you doing this for? You know what I mean? I wonder how, like you said, how many people would stop shooting and taking pictures if the internet ceased to exist tomorrow for the next month? How many people would bow out? I mean, maybe if you're listening, you should ask yourself that question. And if, if you would stop, I don't know what the correct course of action is, but Mm -hmm. at least you'll know what you're doing things for. And maybe you're wasting your time and maybe it helps you realize that you're really fully into this photography or whatever creative endeavor, um, you're pursuing but um Mm. let's get into uh printing because i have on my notepad i'm usually so detailed with what i want to talk about but (laughs) um with you i literally just wrote printing it's just one little line um maybe tell people a bit about your shop um yeah how you opened up a small business what that entailed maybe like the cliff notes the summary of that just because i guess as photographers um aspiring to be professionals Everyone wants to make this their living and you're doing that um, mm, you know, mm. through your store. Um, and I'm sure sh- you, I'm sure you know everything there is to know about printing and, and what works for you um, just because, you know, you love it so much. So why don't you talk a bit about your store and printing?
1: So where do I start? It was about maybe two or three years into my photography career. I, Go back a little further. So one of my good friends um, who is now my, my print printer, um, he, was, um, he took off for a couple of years around Australia and he took a camera with him and he actually opened up his own galleries locally. And he, he was gone for, for a couple of years now uh, from when he started doing that and he began printing and framing his own work once he started doing that it opened up the doors for me he invited me to say look send some files my way i'll print them up for you and my photography went from being on the computer to print form and i could actually see what i what the end goal was it was it changed from being something i looked at and shared via social media to wow i can print this to 45 inches and and sort of Share some of that emotion and feeling that I had when I was capturing that image because it was on a bigger scale. And also, too, uh, it really told me instantly how crap my photography was. I wasn't, you know, I was pointing a camera and I wasn't focused on what, you know, when you print something big, you really do see a lot of the faults in your own work. Yeah, and for sure. That was, that was quite sobering for me and it kind of gave me the, um, it gave me a different outlook on things and I wanted to better myself through that so my end goal was to print and I thought what better way to do it I have you know the tools and the platform now I have a friend who printed fine art who still does for me and um I I went down that path so one of the first things I did was I I held an exhibition at uh, one of my local halls and I uh, and I literally went out to every business in the Illawarra so we're talking about Let's say nine or ten suburbs up and down the coast, and I printed a thousand flyers, and I went into all of the businesses, and I walked in, I put my hand out, introduced myself, and invited them, the business owners, to come to my my exhibition. And I thought, I don't know, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just putting it out. This is old school, going in and yeah, meeting, yeah, and greeting yeah. people. I literally spent a week just doing a walk into into businesses, and I tell you what, it was it was received really well because. Um, you know, how often you get a, an email from from people or businesses and you just look at it and go, yep, it's just generic, it's cold. Yep. You know, you yeah, just go yeah. next, delete, delete, delete. But it, I took the time to go and do that, and I think people appreciated it, people of a different generation also. And I, um, I found some of those people were actually visiting based on how I introduced myself.
0: And I think oh, that's sure. kind of
1: lost, you know, in this day and age where everything's so fast and immediate. um, and just the young – and there's, there's a few younger people that would love to do it, but once I told them how much I'd put into just that exhibition just to get people off their seats to come and see my work, um, it's a different thing. It's it's marketing from an old-school perspective, but it actually still holds value. You know, it's – it's. Right. I think it's still the way to do it because um, I found that people with sort of more of a disposable income that were into art, um, they, they just love that approach more so than just cold emails or just putting you you know, spamming people on a marketing mailing list or something. So then um, fast forward a, a, a year or two, um, I'd done a few of these and I'd set myself up a, a market stall at the markets and I was doing a few of the beachside markets and I had a, had a tent up and I was starting to get a few people come down and they knew that I was going to be there. So I was selling a few prints that way. Facebook was a good platform for me to share work too. So I was starting to get a right. few inquiries that way. And then I found out, I was like, wow, I'm actually selling a few prints here. And my other job at the time was a web developer. I was building websites for a living. I was also a photojournalist. And now I'm a, I'm a photographer at a camera and I was making photos of the ocean and I was selling prints. It was, was kind of crazy. My wife said to me, why don't you do this? This is, you know, you've, There's not too many other people around doing it. And um, so I kind of had something a little bit different and – she said, Well, when we moved in, when once we found out we couldn't have children, we moved into the home city here is Wollongong on the New South Wales yep. southern coastline here. It's one of the one of the sort of the, a, a, a sub city of sort of say Sydney, if you if you know Sydney's is one of our biggest right. places. It's kind of Wollongong's considered like a a sister city. It's it's still pretty large. So we moved into the city and within six months a small space had come up for lease. And we just said, let's just risk it. Let's have a go. You know, if we didn't, we didn't have any sort of mortgage or we didn't have k- dependents and um, right, I've got a very supportive wife. So I just said, let's do it. And it's been almost eight years now. I've had a small store and the nice. street that I'm on um, has a great little collective. It's a great culture. It's got three or four bars, restaurants, a skate shop next door. And um, everyone just supports each other along that strip and We all give back to the community and then you know the the commercial and the residents around this area sort of all support as well. So Mm -hmm. um yeah, no, it's it's really cool. So I'm I'm sort of ingrained myself into the culture here, I guess. Yeah, that's
0: awesome. Um so how do how have you gone since opening your store and selling your first few prints to now? Um what's cause people struggle with this all the time, especially people who are just getting into print Mm -hmm. about pricing? There's so many pricing strategies there's making it affordable or there's making it priced for collectors uh what's your take on that and what's worked for you if you had to tweak stuff um Mm. you know i'm I'm interested to know that
1: yeah for sure that's a huge question i do get asked a fair bit by photographers delving into the print world uh i have a so my my position is a little bit different so i have a gallery which means i have somewhere for people to come to and check out my work which is great Um, Prior to that. I was literally going to places to showcase my work or putting my work in shops and restaurants and stores and things like that. Um, I guess it comes down to this demographic. So wherever you're located, um, there's going to be, if I was in Sydney, um, my prices may or might not be a little bit higher because there's a different demographic um, further away if you go from those cities. um, I guess the population's not as big and... um, the, the, the demographics are a little bit more vast in terms of right. income. So people spend less, I guess, or they, or, or they might spend more, but it's, it's sort of spread out more. Um, so I'm, with my shop, I have sort of a, uh, I guess, I have tourists come to my store and they want to they sort of buy a souvenir of the local area that they're just visiting. So um, all the way up to I have limited edition, Prints and right. you know, things that I've had awards for. So yeah, it's a very tricky question because if you if you position yourself too low in the market, then I guess you've got to think about how much you value your time and your effort and the work and how much you put into your your, your photography as opposed to um, the the market. I guess you've got to have a look around and see what things actually sell for. So you mm-hmm. can't, you, you know, you've got to be a little bit uh, realistic in a way. You you can't just go, look, I'm going to sell a print for $20,000. So most of the time I've done my homework, I've looked at Ken Duncan and Peter Lick and see what things go for over the years and um, how many limited editions you need, um, um, right down to open editions. And I guess I have to pay bills too. So, you know, I I, I get most of my income is derived from print, actually physical prints. If I was to sell every image that I had for um you know twenty thousand dollars for one print and if i only sold one a year or one every two years it's just a bit defeating the purpose so um i guess it's individual and i think what you 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 kind of have to value find where you value your work and how much time and effort you put into it so i guess yeah i don't know if i answered your question there but it's um i wanted to position myself so that i i was happy with the the return i was getting for my photography yeah
0: I think it's a bit of a blend of, like you said, you have a physical brick and mortar store where people can come and look at things, um, where 99% of people listening don't. Um, I think what I take away from that is, you know, doing your research on what maybe people who are of your caliber are selling prints for, um, and I guess where you live and the type of income people in that area, what kind of level of income they're, they're generating, um, I know like for me, um, I've sold, you know, a fair amount of prints, um, over the last couple of years. And my strategy was, so pretty much, I guess like that, I, I found, um, you know, a pretty good photographer who does kind of what I do. Um, I'm not going to name names, but I, I, I visited his gallery and I said, like, I honestly said to myself, you know, I, I could see some of my best shots blending in here. Um, I don't have the name or the awards, so I'm gonna price them a third of what Heat is. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? And that was kind of my strategy. Um, the quality's there, but the name's not. And it's that's a lot of times that's so important. Um obviously you get to be that big name by having high quality images and and mm-hmm. things like that. But you know, when you have awards and things backing it and you become critically acclaimed, I think it allows you to bump your price. Um mm-hmm. so,
1: Yeah, definitely grow with that. The longer you've been doing it, and the more accolades, I suppose, and uh, how well your no- name is known worldwide, yeah, that has That's to cool you you know, flows equally Sorry, with ahead. the price. Well, this grows with your price, so you, yeah. you, you can afford to do that. Um, it, you may you may take an amazing photo next to someone who has that name, but their marketing marketability, you know, their name's already out there. So it's very hard for someone to justify putting the same price on their work. Um, as that person because you can you can price yourself however you like, but it depends on whether you're selling at the end of the right. day. So you may have the best work, the best images I've ever seen, and you may have um, some quite high value on your work, but that doesn't mean that person's selling either. So it's yeah. kind of determined what the market's doing and, um, you know, and also too the, how, how diluted um, you, that style of imagery is because, of, because yeah. of, you know, mediums like Instagram and things like that. So, yeah, I, I guess also too, like just touching back on that, um, I know and I've been contacted in the past by certain creatives that have good followings on Instagram and they, they ask me, how do you sell so many prints? And, mm-hmm. I, and I say to them, well, what other avenues do you look at to market your work? And outside of Instagram or Facebook, sometimes it's 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 nothing and right it you really that's when i go back to the old school values of saying well you know it's a physical thing you want to sell make it physical and get it out there and actually expose yourself not just in this digital form because right. you, people you know when you walk into a gallery and you've probably done this too you're a photographer in a creative view and, and you're driven by emotions as well and you stand there in front of it, just a gigantic print and it'll stop you and you get goosebumps and your heart stops, and you can you choke up and go, "Wow, this is moving. Uh-huh. How much is how much is this thing? I'd love this in my house." Uh, and you look at the price tag, and it's whatever. But that that in yeah. itself, having it printed on the wall, can be the the key between you know trying to sell something through social media on a three inch screen as opposed to right. actually having something printed. You really do have to invest and put your heart on your, your heart and your sleeve and your soul right. into your work, you know.
0: And I think right, like people, when you step into that gallery world, hmm. you're kind of as a potential buyer you're kind of a you're wowed um and rightfully so like people who have galleries have stunning work for the most part you know what i mean so i i think it just feeds on itself um and and going back to that old school marketing like maybe you know sign up for some art shows um back in january i did my first gallery ev- ever just so that you know people came in and saw that there's more to photos than um you know then then your little tiny phone that you're walking around with and i walk i i, I set that up i put so much time and money and, and into that and i expect you know on. i'm totally going to be in the red and i don't i don't give a shit like i just i want to do this for me and i think it's important to get the monkey off the back and i walked away that night up so
1: wow good on you mate. That's you know awesome. i can I, I, mm. I
0: totally understand what you're saying and and people who are sleeping on prints don't you know you got to start printing your work and um Family and friends are, you know, they're going to be your biggest clients to start.
1: Always, yeah, one hundred percent. There's, I, I encourage every photographer that I meet, anyone that comes into my store or contacts me online, to just go and get something printed. There's, there's always a printer wherever you go. There's somewhere in your local town that prints something. Print it. It doesn't hurt. I mean, it's scary as hell to do something like what you've done. If you hold a solo exhibition or, or an exhibition with another creative, man, it's as scary as hell. You just you oh, don't know yeah. what's going to happen. You're putting it everything out there. You're investing money, um, and these things aren't they're, they're not cheap. And if you want to do it well, you want to have a product that's just you. You know, you have to wow yourself before you right. put it out there to you know for somebody else. So um, that costs money. And sometimes those people go, well, if, what if I don't sell any of these things?" And you and you have to go in there with a mindset of it doesn't matter what if or if you move any of your if, of your prints, you're doing this because it's you sharing your art with the world. If you sell anything, that that's just a bonus. It's a
0: bonus, yeah. You know?
1: And I have a I have some friends that have done it and they've still got prints lying around their house and they think, Wow, I never sold anything. But you know what? It's you just have to get out there and have a go. Uh, eventually if, if people see your passion and it's you know, it's very addictive when someone's so passionate about something, you you just you connect with them. You just feel like, Wow, I'm yeah you know, I, I can feel that. And I want to feel that energy in my house that, you know, for me, if it's taking a photo of a certain wave in certain light and the and the way that I translate that in and then into print, if I can, you know, like when I love talking to people in my store and I, and I like to tell them the backstory about the images and how I create them. And there's that story in itself, I get so excited and I'm talking about, every day I'm down the beach and you know this and that and sharks and and, you know you've got rips and currents and rain and cloud all this sort of stuff that kind of puts you off Mm. but then one magic moment will happen and you're there for it and then you come back and share it that person then has something a story is a backstory to that photo it's not just a pretty picture they can feel that you know that energy's there and they they take it home with them install it in their home and that's rewarding that's like completely the um, epitome of what you do but then they tell that story to the people that come and visit. And,
0: uh-huh.
1: and it just, yeah. it's an ongoing thing. You know, it's, you're just sharing, sharing those moments. It's Crazy.
0: To- yeah. I was going to say, people aren't just buying, like typically aren't just buying the picture. They're buying you. They're buying your personality. They're buying your stories. They're buying your energy. So I'm glad you said that. Cause I had, I had written that down that just as we were chatting, that people are buying you. Um, and it goes back to just anything you're doing. If you're really behind it, um, I'm one of those people who feeds off of other people who are so into what they're doing that you can't help, but pick up on that wavelength. You know, those are the kind of people I want to be around with. And I'm sure you want to be around with like, who's going to get down with somebody who doesn't even believe in their own work or what they're doing. It's just, you're going to Mm -hmm. spin your wheels. Um, But this has been all really good about Prince. I want to move on to um, another vague topic I've written down. I want to know everything about your niche, your, your seascapes, Mm -hmm. Um, how that came to be um, for anyone who isn't familiar with Warren. um, He has just, I've never seen anything like it. Um, You're basically making waves look like landscapes and mountains and, It's just, it's really indescribable. So everybody, um, obviously your name's going to be your username on Instagram is going to be in the the title of the episode, but please make sure you check it out because it's so cool. But Warren, just let us know how you got into that. I mean, (laughs) Oh, thanks mate. That's really
1: kind of you to say. And
0: maybe tell us about, uh, you know, that, that whole, um, finding a niche in your backyard when we were talking before the episode, because I thought that was really cool.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's, um in the in the photography world i when i first started I, I, I was you know 10 years ago it's going 10 years since i bought a camera 9 years ago i bought my first water housing for that camera and at the time there wasn't too many other people that i knew of uh, other than a couple of renowned surf photographers shooting waves for surf magazines and things and um i hi my wife actually hired um the water housing for me for my birthday to go out and see what i could capture I'm I'm a surfer. I have a background of being in the ocean. I'm fishing and diving and swimming, so I wanted to sort of do something a little bit different than stand in front of a waterfall and put the filters right. on. And you know, that's that. If that's for some people, that's that's awesome. Uh, for me, it was I just needed a more of a challenge, and it wasn't what I was. I wasn't going out of I wasn't going out of my way every weekend to go and look at these you know cliffs and landscapes. I was down the beach every day. The first thing I wanted to do after work was get to the beach, you know, before and after school was get to the beach and surf. So I'm staring at these things for years and years and years. And when I've come around with a circle now, I've got a camera and I can go out now and actually take photos of the things that I've looked at for so many years. But now I'm looking at them from a different perspective. So from a surfing perspective, I'm looking at the waves and I'm seeing how they, you know, the dynamics of a wave, how they break, how they come into the, the, you know, they come out from the sea and how the sand or the rocks below affect the shape of the wave. And then the light, when you have light come through the wave and how it illuminates and brings that thing to life. So I thought, this is what I want to do. And there's, um, I have to you know, pay my respects to uh, a shore break f- photographer, Clark Little from Hawaii. He's, um, he's had influence on a lot of photographers that I know, and he has an amazing um, beach, a lot of beaches over there that he can make these waves. Right. But I thought, wow, this is crazy if this guy can do it. Um, and do it really well, I thought I'd at least have a go at it. And so I bought this, I got this water housing and I took it down to the beach. I had overcast, gray skies, no light, onshore, two foot slop. And I went out there and I spent that entire weekend because we'd paid for this, we'd hired this housing. So I, I came back and I was completely and utterly defeated. I just thought, <laughs> how is this happening? You know, I'm, I'm using the wrong lens. I had a 24 to 70, where I you know, should have been using a fisheye or something. And I had everything going against me, and I posted this water housing back. And I thought, I don't know how they, they do it. It's just these photos are just too beautiful. There, there must be something that you've just got to put effort in. You've got to keep going down. And I just, Right. I just, and so I ended up buying housing for my camera. And I went back and back and back every day. I like the all sorts down. of conditions. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, you've got you're to defeat and right? broken,
0: and you're like you're so upset. And so you, you know what? I'm gonna buy one. <laughs> i'm constantly <laughs>
1: defeated and broken my uh, you know errors and you know i'm always making mistakes and uh i, I think that's you know it, that's what that's part of yeah. your story too you know yeah so i i just uh i thought i, I got the, i got i finally got a housing and i was going back every day and and all those different types of weather i'm looking out now outside my window and it's gray it's pouring rain but i know that there's there's something somewhere to be captured Right. So I was going every day, and I was just literally pushing myself to make an image, and those images went from wide-angle barrel shots inside waves um, to the moments in between those moments, whether it's if I'm caught out in the rain, I look at those rain, I'm, like, looking at the raindrops on the water and the textures of the water, and I'm thinking, wow, this is crazy. I'm looking, I'm expect, you know, I was looking for waves and waveforms so then in between those waves, the answer's there. I'm looking for, I'm saying, what am I shooting? And I'm thinking, there we go, that's texture. And I thought, right okay, on. well, instead of a breaking, curling, parabolic shape, how about just the lump that comes along, you know, and that look they look like sort of miniature mountains and they're moving and everything's so, you know, it's so ephemeral and fleeting that if I if I was to start capturing those moments and capture the texture and the shapes more so than a typical breaking wave, which you've seen thousands in surf magazines over the years, you know it's 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 not something new. So I I kind of shifted my focus and went for that sort of perspective rather than uh, what everyone was used to seeing, and just changing that from being a wide-angle lens to then getting a telephoto lens in the water. So I'm using a seventy to two hundred. Uh, nice. For the majority of my work, which means I can zoom in, you know, the quality of the glass is amazing and I'm getting close ups and real shallow depth of field stuff, but also to the compression of that lens of a big wave over distance just gives it something, something really special as well. Right. So I kind of went from that, that, you know, that sort of normal genre of surf photography into making, seeing things in, in more of an abstract. And different perspectives in the ocean and, yeah. and I kind of that's that kind of became my focus and for the past four or five years now I think having an abstract surrealism um, view of the ocean rather than just taking a photo I'm creating something from that um, experience or scene has given me purpose now I'm going back to the word purpose but um, right. for me that's That's really it. And now I I try to more so convey um, the emotions and feelings that I'm experiencing out in the ocean. Rather than just taking a photo of something, I'm trying to put the the viewer in with me in the water so my perspective might be on the actual surface of the water just before I duck under a wave or a wave's coming or landing on me or I'll go under the wave and look back at it, you know, things like that. And um, it really does tell a different story. And if you yeah. have to look at my, if you have a look, if you have to look at one of my photos and just go, uh, what am I looking at here? If it's not apparent straight away, then I feel that I'm kind of, that's, I'm successful in what I'm trying to do.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've looked at a few and I, I, there was one a few weeks ago and I was confused as to whether it was a mount, an actual mountain or not. And then yeah. I queued in and I said, okay. Yeah. This was the intent. So, um, <laughs> what I want you to, to get into, um, I fr- you said somebody who said the qu- I don't know who it was the quote about um, finding your niche in your own backyard how you don't need to you know fly across the world to figure it out I thought that was really cool um, and it sounds like you're doing that you know you're already in the yeah. water it's just right in your wheelhouse you're you're looking between the waves yep. for the ripples and the bubbles and the bokeh and you know it's it's just queuing into and treating your eyes as treating your eyes as the camera at times just sometimes it's right in front of you you know
1: yes um so just touching on that it was a good friend super talented photographer maddie smith and he's um he's renowned for his split shots and he creates his own domes and things and he's literally uh separates the two worlds just you know before him was david dubelay and other photographers like that but he one one thing that maddie told me and i think it was said to him or he he read it somewhere or was uh, heard it was if you don't have to travel to the corners of the globe to yeah. find a style that you really um, call your own or you want to focus on. Nine times out of ten, that's in your backyard. So for me, it's the way I, I can literally walk across the road and I have the ocean there. And why do I need to travel to, you know, not that I don't want to, but, you know, Pipeline and Hawaii and Tahiti and these places that are renowned for these waves, um, why can't I make something that's just in my backyard? And right. Uh, I put so much time and effort in and I'm privileged to be able to do that because I'm literally just across the road.
0: Yeah, no good.
1: <laughs> and I guess for me also too, that, that comes with, uh, you know, there's other rewards that I get from that. And, you know, I, I endure anxiety, uh, you know, from what I do and different things that have happened in my life. I um, I looked for that sort of comfort in the ocean. So I feel more comfortable while I'm immersed in the water, whether it's in the, in the morning or late in the afternoon um there are inherent dangers in there like sharks and undercurrents and things but um i was resigned to the fact that, if, that that's where i want to be and that's where the best photos i'm going to make and the stories i'm going to tell are those certain times but um yeah I, I mean i don't have to travel not that i don't want to but it, it's just there and these things are happening all the time thousands of different things are, millions of different things are happening every second out there and if i can just find something and just look at it from a different perspective um, and being able to translate that and actually show somebody and they just say, I've never really looked at the ocean like that. Uh-huh. I've never seen a spray like that. Or, you know, if you slow the shutter down and you pan with a wave, you get these beautiful striations and you think, wow, this is a different way to, to, to create images. Yeah. So I think that's that's kind of why I'm driven now is to tell stories in, from different perspectives using different techniques. So, right. yeah, for sure.
0: Um we talked about this a bit off the record before we got going, um, about maybe feeling, you know, it happens to people of all sizes, um, on social media about feeling typecast or boxed in. Cause I mean, um, you know, you've obviously gained a lot of your attention from your seascapes. Um, and I feel like in your instance, people your following has grown to expect water from you, which is nice. Um, as opposed to just strictly waves. Um, but how do you, do you feel the pressure to produce certain kinds of imagery so that your audience stays in tune? Um, or, you know, how do you deal with that? Cause like you said earlier, you don't want to shock your, your audience either by just, you know, throwing up random stuff. It's a bit of a dance and a science combined, you know?
1: Mm, it's just, that's a really good question. I guess I'm fortunate to have not – water is my theme and I love the ocean. Um, people ask me, even when they come into my gallery, they'll say, do you have any photos of the mountains? And say, oh, look, yeah. I say, look, I love the mountains. I love to get away. But if I was going up there, I'd literally leave my camera at home because I'd like to experience that. That's that's that thing. And there's plenty of photographers that take photos of mountains and they do it really well. Um, if, if For me to, I guess – uh distance myself from water and and then I start using my social platforms to showcase other forms of photography uh I guess for me that's kind of confusing a little not that I don't love doing it or not that every creative shouldn't have that license to do whatever they like but uh if you're I always say this like I was saying to you before um my favourite bands, you know, music is one of the things that I can liken it to. Uh, I love a specific band for that style of music and I know that when I get that next CD or that next song, it's going to have a certain tone to it, it's going to be have a certain theme and I feel comfortable with them doing that and that's kind of what I look forward to. For me to then, if I was to put out something of um, architecture or black and white portraits or things like that, that are just a little bit different or too varied from um, my my body of work, then I would understand if my followers would feel slightly confused as to what I'm doing. Um, and mm-hmm. as you are saying, that's where you have the freedom to uh, open different accounts. For example, on Instagram exactly. is to showcase your different work. So I might have something called you know, ocean portraits or I might do something completely different. I mean, I do other forms of photography. I do, um, I do some real what estate photography, too. you know, some fine art. I do, um, some aerial photography, but mm-hmm. I don't showcase all that in in my on certain platforms because I work right. with you know tourism and I have um, commercial clients as well. But um, for my art, for my the, the thing that I do with my art, um, my fine art is what you see on my Instagram, and it's for me it's water and things that inhabit the water. So um, right. you're right. You know, I think you should, and I think you should learn all kinds of different photography, and I think you should learn. Um, you know, you should push yourself to learn different techniques and methods because that will also enhance the body of work that you have. So for, sure. for, me, for me, that was um, slowing the shutter down, for example, right. C- creating something artistic from a moving body of water. Uh, but, you know, I, the, f- the very first time I learned slow shutter was to put a, f- to put a filter on and take a photo of um, a waterfall. So it's this, a this, this very similar sort of technique. But I'm just yeah. using it in a different different realm,
0: for sure. I mean, I have a few things I take away. I I I'd take away from that. So, like you, I do this too with portraits. I'm just I create a second account if I if I want to create portraits. And the nice mm-hmm. thing about that is I don't feel the pressures of social media, um, having to post frequently to stay relevant or you know how many you know how well it performs i mean let's be honest we all care about those things they're not necessarily make or break or super important but we do care to a certain extent but it's nice um particularly in my instance with portraits i can just chuck something up every one month and not really care and just show people this is kind of what i'm doing off to the side um the other thing i think just to go back to one of our topics earlier in the episode is that if you're shooting just because you like it you know you don't necessarily need to share everything that you're shooting you know what i mean like if you get down with architecture you're just doing it for you it doesn't need to go to your audience i mean if you feel the need to share every single thing you do maybe you're one of those people who wouldn't be shooting if the internet disappeared you know
1: every i'd still liken it to i go back to being a musician and because i was one for so many years uh i the the platform that i was using in my most successful platform was heavy rock music Uh, outside of that right i'd have no problem i listened to everything from irish to dance to reggae to you know metal but it's for what i was doing and for what i was actually releasing and for that time was one certain genre and that worked for me. And once I found that um, I had some success with that, I kind of stuck to it. And that's what, like we were saying, that's if you become known for that in inverted commas, that's your brand that people uh, they relate those images to you for, then it's, it's hard to sometimes go outside of that realm. Um, and it is confusing, but you, I, I think you have to, you have to keep a lot of it, your, your personal stuff or your commercial stuff for you because yeah, You know, photography for me is an art and it's an expression, personal expression. And, and sometimes that doesn't, it doesn't have to always go out in the, in the world. You know, you've got to keep some of that for yourself.
0: I mean, I'm a big fan of, you know, when I met with friends or, or just, you know, for a boat ride or whatever is just snap an iPhone pics as a sort of memoir just for me and, you know, friends and family for years down the road, it doesn't always need to be a DSLR or a mirrorless. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I think it's good to do that just, just to take again, some of the pressure off. Um, but I wanted to, we, I guess we talked about it a little bit at the start. You mentioned, um, when, you know, you're heading to an Island or something to shoot and those service bars goes away, go away. And you kind of just, I guess, tune out of all the hectic, um, and overwhelming stimulus that, that goes on in, especially in today's, uh, modern world. I wanted to talk a bit about, I guess, how refreshing it can be to tune out and how that allows you to really 110% focus in on what you're about to do. Um, you know, what's that, how is that beneficial for you in that sense? And why is it so important?
1: Oh yeah, it's, it's all got to do with headspace. Um, if you have that, if you're distracted, um, by that connection to the outside world, you're not immersing yourself fully in what you're doing. And for me, that was, um, the reason I love going to this place is, uh, they might have reception in literally two square metres into the entire island, <laughs> you know, and it's only yeah. one bar if you can get it. So for me, it's I get there and I just turn my phone off and it's the best right. feeling in the world. Like I I, I, I didn't mention this before, but um, prior to doing what I do, I mean, I grew up in the other side of Australia and my parents were National Park Rangers and we lived in the bush. And no way. We, you know, yeah, so I have that, you know, that that love of the environment was, was born through living in it like uh, literally we read wild animals we had kangaroos as i won't say pets but you know when someone comes to the door and they're holding a joey that they've you know they've unfortunately hit on the road we'd we'd rear that joey and at one stage we'd have four or five of them bounding around the house so super surreal <laughs> childhood growing up wow. with ko- koalas and things like that it's it's literally like out of the movie but um wow. looking you know going to somewhere like i i, I can't escape social media or, or the, you know, the internet or even other humans where I am. Um, but when I go to somewhere like Lady Elliot Island, for example, is renowned for being, it's an eco resort. You know, there's there's no fishing. Um, there's no threat to the wildlife there. They It's it's all self-sustained. It's a green island, you know. So uh, when, when I go there and I see the bars, the reception bars on my phone just disappear, the anxiety goes with it. And so I'm flying. Yeah, out. Sure. I'm flying in this plane, and I just can't wait to get to this island because I I feel like a sense of freedom, and with that I get to you know disconnect, but then I get to connect with the real the world, the real world, the aquatic world, and I can just snorkel out over the reef. That's
0: so amazing.
1: With, with without my camera, and you know you have to put down the camera too, because you really yeah. have to absorb what you're seeing, and it, and it just affects you like so greatly. It's it's literally like once once you once those you know final days come where I, I I'm at the end of my stay I start to feel that anxiety creep back in because I know yeah. that I've got to get on a plane and I'm heading back to civilization and then those bars those reception bars come on the phone and bang you know three hundred emails text yeah, messages missed calls it's oh it's gross it's really gross and then, and you know in one aspect it really does show um, how and negatively um you know social media and things like that affect Mm -hmm. humans you know you really have to you have to get away and and i admire people that they they just go bush you know they they go out they just literally just lose themselves they get away from civilization whether they've got a camera or not and just go bush and just get off the grid and 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 then if they if they take a camera away and they come back with the most amazing photos because they're not doing it for that purpose they're doing it just to and um, to find that escape and, and connect with nature, and that for me, that island's so special. I've been there four or five times. I sort of try to go every once every year. Um, yeah, it's a it's a pretty busy place now, but they've only got limited numbers on the island, which is awesome. And certain times a year, they they might have two or three hundred thousand birds migrate there, and you know, wow. it's a noisy, messy awesome place to be you know you're standing on the, the shoreline noise, though you and you pick it. oh, it's awesome although when you get there they give you some um they give you some ear front, earbuds to sleep with at night because the mutton birds it's just there's horrendous there's, there's noise in <laughs> there they're squawking and it's like it's like ten thousand people snoring at once outside your your little hut but um i wouldn't have it any other way the place is just I mean, so a lot of and would, awesome.
0: a lot of people would trade uh at- all the streetcars and k- taxi cabs and car horns they hear for that
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know when you fly so, so I'll give you an example just like i gotta paint a picture you're flying out and you're just seeing beautiful blue ocean and you know there these shadows from the clouds below you and you just see this little island and it just gets bigger and bigger and as you go there you know, do do a couple of little loops around the island you're looking down going wow this is you're seeing turtles like dozens of them all around the shorelines and sharks and things. And you just can't wait to, you just land and you just can't wait to get in the water. Um, Dude, I feel like
0: I'm landing right now and I want to be there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's a magic place, man. Uh, i tell you, cause the first time I went to swim with a turtle, it was uh, just to be able to do it in, in their environment where they don't feel threatened. Um, and yeah. they kind of, you know, over the years, the place has become renowned for uh, the study of, and, you know, protection of aquatic wildlife. And, you just feel so mm-hmm. privileged to be in their world and you get there and you're swimming out and you're just overwhelmed this because you just, you're looking, you might see an 80 year old to a hundred year old turtle and it's swimming past you. And it's the most, it's covered in barnacles and it's gray and now it's missing an eye. And it's just that thing's weathered so much just to be alive. And then beyond that, you're seeing a pot of dolphins and then, you know, you look around and there's a manta rail swim past or an eagle ray. And you're like, there's a couple of reef sharks and you just, you think, wow, well, how lucky am I? But what yeah. are we doing as a human race? You know, and and sort yeah. of, I, I go back with the with the attitude like, wow, well, we've got a job to do as photographers. We can show the beauty of the world, but you know, it's that's yeah, that's one of the things that we can do. You know, we have a responsibility to look after the place. So, yeah, no, I, I love that place. You've got to get there if you ever come to Australia. I'm taking yeah. you up there.
0: <laughs> Let's do it, man. Well, uh, Absolutely, and a, and a shout out to. Um, dave sanford who i guess i wouldn't have found out about you unless we talked about you so we'll have to get him on board too
1: oh what a human oh, guy. i love you
0: with both you guys yeah
1: such a talent yeah you know he's had a spectacular he's got a great story as well and um yeah i'm very um privileged to call him a mate and uh, yeah. we've learned a lot of each other over the years so um yeah i just you know when when we're in a, we're in a period of covid now so you guys can't even travel so yeah. Is it but One day
0: I'll make it there, and it'll be glorious. And I'm gonna swim with great whites, and I'm gonna see sea turtles, and it's gonna be
1: amazing. <laughs> You'd love the great whites, Seth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. Your, your mind will explode. Honestly,
0: I'd be very down. I wouldn't recommend swimming with the turtles around here because they can take your fingers off. The snappers, oh, what are they snapping
1: to? Oh, yeah.
0: I've seen some stupid videos. Yeah. No, we don't oh, have yeah. those. We have
1: we have a lot of other creepy crawlies and snakes and reptiles and spiders and things that can kill you.
0: I'm cool there with that.
1: <laughs> Great. That's awesome. Um
0: one final thing that I, I wanted to touch on before we wrap up was um sure. on your website about um there's a shot of the turtle. I guess you have the dome on where you're able to shoot above water and below water, and you're catching a sunrise. Everything just kind of lined up. And I know those feelings of those shots when it's happening in that moment, everything just kind of mm-hmm. stands still and it's glorious. Um But you mentioned, I think it was a blog post. It's like sometimes you just get lucky and things happen. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's to go back to, to Dave Sanford, our episode when he was on, it was about setting yourself up to win, you know, taking all the right, getting up early in that instance. Um, you know, having all your, your stuff charged, doing all your research and just literally putting yourself in that place. Um, sometimes it might not even work out. You know what I mean? Like you got to get lucky. And I guess my question for you here is how many times do you continue to do the same thing and just hope that that scenario will occur. And when do you decide maybe I need to tweak something? You know what I mean?
1: I do. Yeah, for sure. There's I've, I do, I guess I do go down the path of both that mindset because without being prepared, you can miss a lot of things. Um, that shot that you're talking about was a, it, it was a shot I had in mind, Many years ago, to get a split shot of a turtle on sunrise using an underwater uh-huh. flash setup and a custom dome, so I can separate the world and get this. And what a better place to do it, that, that lady Elliot. Right. So, I'd, I'd had this, I'd had this, um, um, I had a dome port custom made um, from Maddie Smith back in the day. And it was about, this is going back about six or seven years, six years ago or so. Mm-hmm. And uh, we made this dome port. Uh, I rigged up my flash to be off. The housing so i had a you know extension lead a handle to this on you know to the aquatech flash right. unit that i'm using so i had all these things in mind that i wanted to get this photo and i'd booked in a trip to lady Elliot island it would have been six months prior to but what i didn't check was the tides so for me to get the shot that i was after i needed a certain tide and that was like an right. incoming tide or high tide so i could swim out over the coral garden so you imagine i'm lugging in you know, a two or three extra cases with my gear to get to this place. And in my mind, I had this shot in my mind and I just wanted to capture. And so I got out there and every day I got up prior to the sun coming up, navigating myself out over the reef and the the tide was wrong. So I'm uh. looking at dry reef and I've got all this gear and I, and I just basically didn't luck it, luck it. So I went on the other side of the island and see what I could get. I ended up get, getting a shot that I was quite proud of, But it wasn't the shot that I had in my mind. So every year I've gone back and I've gone back. And so for example, the first time I took Dave Sanford to the Lady Elliot, um, everything was right. The sunrise was amazing. It's beautiful crimson sunrise. So we'd planned for it, but you just don't know what nature's going to dish up. So we got out there and the turtles were in abundance. So everywhere they're chasing these jellies and they're eating them and two or three turtles in one frame if you can imagine and uh i got out there and i started shooting and my flash died <laughs> and then, oh, so everything went wrong i was literally i was literally thinking what have i done wrong you know so i don't know i sort of uh, that sort of killed me you know i feel defeated as i was saying before and yeah. I, I got back home and i'm looking at dave got some beautiful photos and um i thinking, thinking, wow, i just completely blew that and it is a bit of a mission to get there from from you know from here so I thought, no, I'll just I'll just concentrate on some other pho- photographs, and I still made a great trip, and uh, I'll go back there again one day, and still do the same thing. Try and but you know what? Going back, I digress a little there. I tend to go as a routine um, as much as I can every day, because mm-hmm. rain, hail, or shine, whether the wind's perfect and the and the conditions are perfect, some of the best things that you capture is just out of luck because you put yourself in that position. Um, and you're ready for something to happen. Nine times right. out of ten, something may not happen, but if something happens, you're going to be there, um, and you're not going to capture that image from not being in the water for me anyway. So um, yeah. I get a lot out of it. You know, it's physical. Uh, it's great for my mind and my mental health being out in the ocean. But sure. I, I'll, I'll literally – sometimes I'll snag an image and just go, wow, I did not think that was going to happen, or, um, you know, I could make this better. I'll try and go back and actually focus on that. So I have a series that I do where I'm looking back to shore and this this is after the sun's gone down and no one's no one's around. And I'm looking back to shore and there these floodlights have come on. And I'm um, shooting these like close up shots of, you know, I call them like, like electric water. There's this light dancing on the ocean on the ocean surface and no one else is around. And just by chance I was out there, I turned around and I thought well, there you go. That was right in front of me the entire time. But it it, it just took, I guess, an open mind or a, a different perspective to see it. So you're yeah. right. You, sometimes you just have to go. And I think that's part of photography as well. It's just, you, you can just hit it and hit it every day and it becomes routine. But after a while, something's going to pay off and you're going to be in the right spot for something pretty special.
0: Amazing. That's a perfect way to end this, uh, this episode, Warren. That was uh, awesome. And thank you again for joining me. Um, and, and spewing your, your knowledge and your experience and your voyage through photography so far.
1: Oh, thanks. Seth. That means the world, mate. Um, privileged to be on your show. I love your work and, uh, you're a talented buggy yourself. So, um, I look forward to seeing thanks, much man. more of your stuff come out and, um, awesome. more of your podcasts. Love it.
0: Thanks dude. And, uh, for everyone who doesn't know Warren, you can check out his work at Warren Keelan. That's at W A R R E N. Is there a period in there? Or is it just your full name? I think it's just, just your full name, name right? Yeah, Mm -hmm. at W-A-R-R-E-N-K-E-E-L-A-N, Warren Keelan. Thanks so much, man.
1: Awesome, Seth. Cheers for having me.
0: Thanks again, everyone, for taking the time to listen to another episode of the Photographer Mindset Podcast. Hope you enjoyed my chat with Warren. I know that as soon as COVID is a thing of the past, I will be on my way there to get in a great white shark cage and to shoot with him. That'd be so cool. Um, If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, the greatest compliment you could give me is to give it a rating and a review if you feel so inclined. It means a lot to me um, putting the effort into this show and giving it all to you guys for free. So uh, any boost like that would be much, much appreciated. Until next time, guys, go get shooting, go get editing, and stay focused. See you then.